Today, we're going to talk to somebody who really didn't want to have to take over his parents' restaurant when he grew up. Fast forward a few years, and now he's an eight-figure seller on Amazon and a seven-figure seller on Walmart. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Are you a service provider in the Amazon or e-commerce world? Maybe you're an agency or a shipping company, a hosting platform, or some other kind of firm that helps online entrepreneurs. Perhaps you're a good fit for our trusted partner directory that thousands of sellers out there use in order to get help with their business. To apply to be considered to be listed in our directory, fill out the application at h10.me forward slash directory. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed, organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon, Walmart, or e-com world. And we've got a serious seller uh, on right now, Eugene. Eugene, how's it going? Hi, Bradley. Great. Honored to be here. Honored to have you on here. Now, where where are you located? Uh, We are uh, close to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay, East Coast, East Coast. Uh, is that where you were born and raised? Yeah, lived there my whole life in this area. Yep. All right, excellent. Now, you know, growing up in the East Coast uh, as a, I don't know what you like, you know, you call them Floridians. What do you call somebody <laughs> from, from Pennsylvania? I don't know what the word is. Pennsylvanian. <laughs> a, is it a Pennsylvanian? You know, we're okay. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Guess, yeah. Growing up as a as a small Pennsylvanian over there, like what. What, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up or what, what did your parents kind of like, you know, try and push you to or encourage you to do? Um, well, I mean, I was, I'm, I'm an ABC. So I'm a first, uh, first generation Chinese, um, born in New York and my parents had a Chinese restaurant. So I grew up in that environment, uh, very entrepreneurial mindset and, uh, just kind of grew up in that environment building, they, they build businesses and, mm-hmm. uh, didn't expect myself to be. In, in this space, right? I, I definitely didn't want to take over the restaurant. <laughs> That's for sure. So I shot down that dream very early on. Um, I think I wanted to be more something like on Wall Street and financial, like a financial analyst aspect. That was my dream job. Okay. Growing up. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then graduating uh, high school, did you go to uh, college? Yeah, I went to, uh, went to Penn State and uh, a local uh, college. Nittany Lions. Nittany Lions. Heck yeah. Yep. What, what, what <laughs> was that? Great what, this year. <laughs> what that? Yeah. Well, um, don't, don't get me started. I, I just went to, um, I mean, I didn't go to the college. My dad did, but like I've always had season tickets to San Diego State Aztecs and went to the Mountain West Championship game a couple weeks ago, and then they just got their butts kicked because 30 players were out with COVID. But uh, anyways, uh, let's forget about college sports because that's just going to get me depressed. What what were was your major there uh, at Penn State? That was uh, finance and economics. Okay. And then did, did you get into that field uh, upon graduation? Uh, not not really. I mean, it was related to financial. I was more uh, in got into like risk management, underwriting for insurance. That just that sounds like, like a thrill first. a minute right there. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, my first corporate job. Yep. <laughs> okay. And then so around what year and how did you get introduced to to e-commerce? And was it Amazon or was something else was your first uh, entry into e-commerce? Um, it was really uh while I was working my, my job, uh pretty much my, my cousin hit me up like, Hey, we we have we're we're getting ready to, to do something here and um they were just kind of selling on eBay, right? They're messing with products imported from China and and, and selling on eBay. And I just would go over after work a few hours and, and, and help out and pack some orders. Uh, and then, I mean, fast forward to probably about like six months of that. Uh, like, okay, I think it's time to, to quit my main job and, and just jump in and go all in. And uh, uh, on, on point, eBay only? Uh, it, it was eBay only at that point in time. Yep. 
So you you had made enough to quit your day finance job just selling on eBay. What what, what year was this again? This was two. Uh, Late 2007 and, and 2008 is when we entered Amazon. And, but that, that was, yeah, I did it with the premise of, of no Amazon yet. So what were you doing on eBay in, in 2008? Like, like, I mean, I think I was selling on eBay in 2008, but it was mainly like, you know, some used stuff I had, I was trying to get rid of and th- <laughs> stuff like that. It was just, I mean, this going to, this going to date me, but, uh, we, we did a lot of those, I remember those digital photo keychains, like had like four yeah. gig, eight gig. Um, uh, that's, that's kind of like the, that, that was the hotcakes. That was the hot product back then. And we're, we, I think I forget what it was like hundreds of those a day that we pack and went crazy. And so and was it like a private label, like your own product that you like source from, from China or something, or it was just like brand name stuff that you were just reselling? No, it was just generic stuff. It was generic stuff. I mean, we didn't have brand play back in the day and yeah, uh, just, huh. yeah it just took off and, and, and that kind of opened our eyes like, Oh wow, this is actually real. We can, we can do something with this. Okay. All right. So that, then you took that business over to, to Amazon and just started, you know, splitting your, your time between Amazon and eBay or did you completely switch to Amazon or how did that work? Uh, no, eBay, eBay was in the picture for, uh, for a long time because that was still the biggest, biggest chunk of the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, back in 2008, Amazon was, um, I know it was already, it already was going on for a few years, but it, it, it definitely didn't have the volume yet. Um, but I think, uh, cause FBA wasn't even, even available back then yet. And in 2008, um, but we applied the same philosophies that we did on, on the eBay and, and, and pushed our same generic products out. And uh, eventually, I think later that year, we had an explosive Christmas. Um, and, and yeah, I think sky's, sky's the limit from there. Okay. Now, what was Amazon like back then? You know, because I don't think we've talked to many people who, who started Amazon before maybe 2014, you know, around. It was... Uh, very easy. <laughs> uh, pretty much, I, I think um, we didn't get too f- sophisticated with listing with like flat files yet or anything like that. We mm-hmm. we just kind of did like the manual approach, listed one at a time. There weren't many variations or colors or things like that. It was just like one one product uh, per listing, and it, it was really I think anything we could get our, get our hands on because I mean at that time eBay uh, proved that model for us where hey we we had a connection in China. And we could pretty much bring in almost any any product we wanted to, and we just put it up there and it sold. And then we applied yeah. that same strategy to to Amazon, Amazon yeah. and it was just it was just really easy. It was shooting fish in a barrel. Um, but of course, <laughs> fast forward to now, that that doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, sure, of course, of course. But yeah, but I mean, that's that's pretty that's that that's pretty incredible. That you know, started off on eBay and doing the same thing on Amazon. Like that was like even before what some consider the glory days of, of, of Amazon, you, you had got a head start in everybody. So you had your, your feet wet. Um, now, b- before I go on, I just got to call it out again, uh, guys, if you haven't, if you didn't hear the announcements, starting with episode 300, we actually started doing video now for this podcast for 300 episodes. We only did audio. Um, and it's kind of cool. Cause you know, even though we did audio, like I still only recorded the audio, like I could not see the person I was talking to whenever I would record these episodes. And, and now I'm looking at Eugene's background there. So if you guys are watching this on YouTube, you know what I'm saying? But if you're watching, if you're just listening to this, uh, check out uh, YouTube because he's got a, one of the cooler backdrops. He's, he's got some arcade games. I see NBA jam over there in the corner. He's got the teenage mutant stand up arcade. Um, what, what is that in your little glass container, uh, or glass, uh, display case there? Is that, are those Legos or Lego? Yeah. I should say, or? I'm a, I'm a big Lego fan. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big, I call it a adult fan of Lego. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I was really, you know, speaking, um, um, you mentioned that your parents owned a restaurant. Like, my, uh, do you watch Lego masters? 
Yes, we did with my kids. Yep. So, so the the guys we were trying to root for, they were also Chinese. I think their parents had a Chinese restaurant, um, and 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 they, they, I think they were runner runners up, so they didn't get to win it. And you know, helium or helium ten. You know, Lego uses helium ten, uh, um, a lot for their Amazon business, right? Yes, I caught that. Yep, caught that up, yep. sir. That's cool. Cool. Anyways, guys, uh, we're we're gonna find out how how Eugene can just have such a a cool. Back, you know, like game room like this and stuff. Uh, it's definitely from being in, in the e-commerce space here. So l- let's talk a little bit more about how your Amazon business grew. You know, so I mean, obviously you haven't been for 15 years selling digital keychains and, and things like that. So like, when did you discover the need where like, or or, or for like a tr- your first true private label product? Like, are you selling that private label product today? The The one that was like maybe your first real private label product? I think we we might have some that that are still in in yeah in our inventory uh, from from yeah way back when two thousand eight not not many so we're bringing in all these different products and and literally we like again this is not this is where like we didn't have a strategy there was no brand there was no um, like that type of strategy it was just hey get whatever hands that we could get on that that we think uh, works and, and just sell mm-hmm. it it doesn't matter what category uh, it could be across ten different categories right um, so we we were selling this uh, I guess this this massager thing. And, uh, we started getting a lot more emails about like, Hey, can you send it in discreet packaging? Can you send it in an unmarked box? Can you send it in this? And we're like, what's going on? And what, why, why are they asking these questions? And, uh, yeah, it took us probably about a month to figure it out. And, and, and in the meantime, we're also uh, getting some returns and handling as well too. So afterwards we're like, Oh my gosh, like that. <laughs> oh, that okay. We, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 You don't yeah, need to go into too much details there. Um, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, wow. So that was a mistake. Yep. Did you ever get classified as adult on there because of what was like maybe coming in, like when you start getting reviews about it and stuff, or did, did you always just stay in the the therapeutic side? I guess of, of Amazon. No, but, we, I mean that was a one-off product. We, we exited that very very quick because we didn't. That wasn't our intention. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be probably uh, <laughs> exactly. paranoid if I got took one of those returns. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is. Exactly. Uh, I love I love stories like that. Anyways, okay, cool. So so um, what you know you been selling on Amazon probably, you know, longer than 99% of Amazon sellers out there. Top two biggest changes that kind of affected the way you do business on Amazon. What would you say? Like, you know, there's been a billion changes on Amazon, but, but was it, you know, no more incentivized reviews? Uh, was it, you know, PPC or like, what would you say from the early days to now that really, you know, some a couple of changes that really made you have to pivot the way you manage your business? Well, I mean, we, we never relied on on any uh, actually black hat tactics. We, mm-hmm. we were one of the the good old boys. We we didn't really do anything. Um, we just kind of uh, did did what Amazon gave us, and and we 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 try to have good copy, good pictures, and everything like that. Um, I mean, I guess I would say the, the branding aspect. We were mm-hmm. very very late to that, and, and we're still mm-hmm. playing catch up. Um, and, and obviously, like back then, we were living in those glory days where like literally you can put anything up and, and sell with no strategy. Um, but fast forward to now. We're we're cleaning up our mess that we did in the past because we we just grew way 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 too quick, um, and and yeah, I mean that that's probably one of the the biggest things. Uh, obviously, PPC is another one where we did not need to s- allocate that those amount of funds yeah. for PPC. Uh, now it's another one of those things you have to pay to play. If yeah. you don't, yeah, yeah, we see the results of that. Okay, now you know, like you mentioned, start on eBay, went to Amazon. Now we're in, you know, the end of 2021. What are the other platforms that you've been selling on? Uh, right now, it's currently uh, just Amazon and and Walmart mainly. Uh, we we stopped okay. eBay recently. Um, we have our own Shopify, but that's those are really the two main channels we push. 
how many marketplaces on Amazon? Only USA or are you selling in any international? We do Canada and Mexico. Okay. So like just projected sales between, you know, Amazon and Walmart, um, everything together. What do you think, uh, you know, I mean, we're coming up on the end of the year. It's, it's busy season. So I know you, you might not be an exact. That's totally fine. Around how much will your gross sales have been when you look back at uh, 2021? 2021, I think we, we're probably going to be in the, probably anywhere from the 18 to 20 million mark for revenue. 18 to 20 million. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, making a little bit more than you would have if, um, you know, you, you took over your parents' restaurant. Um, there so did you speaking of that like the way that you do products were you always just looking at at where the opportunity is or did you do any kind of like products that for example came from your knowledge about the restaurant industry from your parents oh man this is something my parents probably you know could use or this is something that i personally you know like to do did everything did anything come from like personal pet projects or knowledge or was it all just like all right let me research where there's high demand and low competition i would say in the, in the beginning it was i mean there was a very electronics uh, tech focus and, mm -hmm. and uh, my cousin and myself were, were very heavy into that into that area um so that was really the kind of like the driving force so we started out as more um how do you say that? cables adapters uh, webcams electronic gadgets like that digital keychain those mm -hmm. types of things and um that has mostly been abandoned now. Uh, we pivoted to more of uh, more fashion apparel, uh, which um, which works for us. Uh, but obviously, it's a it's very hard to navigate uh, with with so many colors, prints, and uh, sizing. Yeah, it's it gets crazy. Different different brand than the electronics. I'm assuming. Uh, no, this is uh, everything was under under one roof. Oh um, wow! And this this was a mistake we made because again we we started off like just grabbing anything that we could so we were kind of like the walmart of of amazon i could sell like anything from yeah. from from health and beauty all the way to to, to, to tech to fashion to the pet, okay. to everything and uh we know that that's not the right way to go about it from a branding standpoint so right now we're, we're in the process of cleaning that up okay all right cool so what would you say is um do you have any like obviously you're an eight-figure seller do you have any products or any SKUs by itself they make seven figures or grow seven figures, or is it kind of like spread pretty evenly uh, on your portfolio? No, there's always, I mean, it, there's always going to be a few heavy hitters. Yeah. There's a couple of products that would, would command that seven figure mark. Yeah. Oh, wow. L l let's talk about how you built those up. Like when, around when did you start those products? I mean, some have been since uh, 2016. Oh, wow. Um, uh, and, and 2016, 2017 was probably where most of them came about. And was it like, just random, you know, like, you know, maybe over a few months you, you launched 10 products and just one of them just took off or like from day one, you're like, Oh my goodness, this is going to be a huge product. I know this is going to be like a seven figure product or, or how did that happen? Uh, more, oh, I mean, there, there were a couple where where happened where that were like, Oh yeah, we knew this was going to be successful, but that that's more often than not. Uh, most of the ones are, are sometimes the, the first year, first two years, it, we don't really make much money off of it or, or just kind of, it just, it just very, very conservative play. Uh, but then it pops off one year. And yeah. then that's when we start uh, obviously adding expansions, adding all these different things, or possibly even improving the product. And um, and that and that's the key. You, you gotta you, you can't just put on any product nowadays, right? You gotta have a unique selling proposition, some type of unique uh, print or style or something that that sets you apart. And, and that's that's kind of like just our our main philosophy. Okay, all right, I like it, I like it. Now, um, Walmart. When did you when did you hop on the Walmart? I don't want to call it a bandwagon, but but when did you when did you hop on that train? I guess Walmart was. I would want to say 2018. 
Oh, early so pretty on. early, pretty early. Yeah. In the days where where their seller center was like almost, it was a nightmare to navigate, and and you had to do all this API stuff, and it would take forever to get anything done, right? It, yeah, it still is kind of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, those okay. Are, those were tough. Yep. Now, were you just taking your best sellers on Amazon, and and then you you put it on Walmart, or did you develop products that were only for Walmart, or what, what was your strategy there? No, we try to keep it simple. Just, I mean, put pretty much put our, our entire catalog onto Walmart. Um, we haven't explored the exclusive aspect yet, but we're, I mean, that's something that we always consider it and, and, and talking to the team about and seeing, okay, is there a way to, to make that work? Where if we offer yeah. something that's exclusive, can you give us better, you know I mean? Better, better views. Okay. And then um, what, what would you say, you know, of, of that $20 million pie, how much does Walmart uh, take uh, of that? I think the industry average was like, I think 10%. That it's it's right right around that mark. It's pretty close. Okay, so you, so you are a seven figure seller then on, on Walmart too. Yeah. Do you have any products at all that actually do better on Walmart than Amazon for some strange reason, or is 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 that percentage where it's you know Amazon usually is you know uh, you know five to ten times as much as Walmart? Is does that kind of go for you across the board there? Uh, surprisingly, it doesn't correlate much with Amazon. Uh, there, there's stuff that doesn't sell on Amazon and it does well on Walmart. Uh, we're, we can't make a lot of sense out of it, but um, yeah, we push what we push what we can. But yeah, it's not it's not one for one for sure. It's very strange. Okay, all right, interesting. Now let's talk about fulfillment on Walmart. Um, are you mainly fulfilling yourself? Are you using that WFS? Are, are you shipping this stuff out of a third party warehouse? How do you fulfill orders on, on Walmart? We do we do WFS, uh, but we also have our own warehouse. So we do our we have our own fulfillment team. So we do it all from uh, do both sides of it. So whenever obviously whenever WFS stocks out, our our warehouse team would, would pick up the slack. Okay, all right. PPC. I don't know if you you consider this metric, but do you consider your your tacos on Amazon and your tacos on Walmart? Like, what's your total uh, A cost or your 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 budget? You know, like like is it very similar? Like, hey. If, if if I'm selling ten million dollars on Amazon, you know, uh, I'm I'm spending one million on PPC or you know what I'm just throwing out random numbers here. Do you guys have a similar strategy or or you have a kind of different strategy on Walmart? If you are even using PPC on Walmart, yeah, I mean, so I mean, P- PPC. My my team doesn't really we don't really have a budget. Um, I mean, because obviously every every SKU is uh, different case by case, right? Um, if the if the numbers are healthy, I mean, we're going to keep spending. We're not going to stop spending. Uh, on the Walmart side, it, it is in its very infant stages because we were part of the the beta uh, team that tested the PPC, and and I think oh, in, wow. in one month I, I blew I blew through like three or five grand in the blink of an eye, and uh, it, it counted for nothing. Uh, and, wow. and we were one of the first testers, uh, so we kind of dropped that for for a while. But recently, we just got hooked up with uh, 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 pack the PackView program with them. Okay, and we were able to now. Uh, you know, that's a Helium Ten. That, that's one of our sister companies now, right? Yes, that's right. We saw yeah. that announcement. Yep. Uh, yeah, I didn't, so re- I didn't even realize you you use Packview. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so so that's that's something that uh, one of my guys is is uh, utilizing, and it's a lot smoother interface than the Walmart uh, side of things. It's a lot easier mm-hmm. to work work with. Yeah, so that's their feedback. Okay, um, but we're yeah we're in the process of seeing some good results, but but we we're in the process of scaling it uh, further to. Um, yeah, to really get more visibility on the listings. Speaking of visibility, when you launch on Walmart, what's the the general strategy? How do you get to quote unquote page one uh, on, on Walmart? It's still very new to us, um, and, I, and I'm not saying that we do. We definitely don't do everything that a successful Walmart seller does for sure. 
Um, and well, you're doing I'm, something I'm, that works, obviously. <laughs> Seven figures uh, seller on Walmart, yeah. <laughs> I'm good friends with, with Michael Labar, right? But yep, so, yep. so the, the, we learn from him a lot, and, and I try to pick his brain. Um, I mean, really, it, it's 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 pointing out the uh, the good copy and and and, and great pictures, right? And we, but we yep. steal that from Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. But the real thing is is maybe it's an unfair advantage, but we work directly with account managers from from the different categories and and try to best position our products. Um, but of course we have to have good products in order to, to be able to be even in a conversation with them and they want to feature us. So they, they have a right to reject everything on the catalog. Right. But, um, but we just throw them, Hey, these are our new, new, new listings and uh, they're, they're geared for spring launch and they automatically help us to, to promote them. Okay. And that's, well, uh, that was kind of like the secret recipe for us. You, you mentioned like, you know, category managers and things has a category manager or a buyer from Walmart ever contacted you about, about, uh, you know, actually purchasing, you know, any of your products that are doing well in Walmart and they're like, Hey, we, we want to make it a, you know, kind of a, a fulfilled by Walmart or, and, sh- or, and sold by Walmart product, or has it anything like that ever uh, come down the pipeline? No, not, I've heard of that happening, but no, not, mm-hmm. not to us at this point. Okay. Yeah. Because that, for, for those of you out there listening, you know, like to me, what I always preach is like the Holy grail in e-com is, is yeah, you know, start crushing on Amazon, you know, take do exactly what Eugene has done. Take, take your Amazon catalog, put it on Walmart and then, you know, try and get a relationship with some of these, you know, category managers or, or a buyer. And then the next step is, hey, get them to actually buy your product. And, and then that helps. And then if that takes off, and, and the reason I say this, guys, is because this is what one of my old companies I used to work for did, then have them, hopefully you can get it in brick and mortar. And then if you hit, if you get a skew into brick and mortar in Walmart, guys, it's game over. I mean, that's just like, you know, the kind of POs that you'll be seeing you know, are in the millions of dollars for one PO because you, you think of how many thousand Walmart stores there are and you got to get, you know, X number into every single store. I mean, it's, it's just crazy, the potential. So, so yeah, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll have Eugene on this, uh, on this show next year in a year. And then by then, like maybe, maybe one of these things has happened and, and it would be, it'd be interesting to see how much, how much sales go, go up. Cause you can probably a hundred X, whatever you're doing on Walmart now on a SKU, like if you get it into an actual store. What are some other differences? You know, you talked about PPC. You talked about how, you know, listings is not too, too different. But what, is there anything that you would call out where it's like, you know, I don't know, the refund policy or, or, or the shipping policy or anything where it's just like, wow, it's like night and day different than than Amazon that sellers need to be aware of? For, for us, it's really just the, it's the technical aspects of it. Um, I mean, I know things happen on Amazon where listings break and stuff like that or variations break apart. Um, but at least we know how to put it back together. On, on Walmart, that's the that's the part that where it becomes like a black hole. You, you sometimes stuff breaks apart, your top listing breaks, and you can't fix it. The team doesn't know how to fix it. Um, so those are some of the frustrating things my team had had to experience probably more ever since we've been onboarded up until this day. Uh, obviously, it's gotten better. Uh, I, I know their, their platform has gotten better, but it, it's it, it's just uh, it, yeah. When it happens to one of your top listings, especially during peak period. Yeah. And no one can help you. Even account manager sometimes can't help you. Wow. Um, that that's a, just a, that's the scariest, probably scariest situation that we that we have. Okay, L- let's go back to Amazon. You know, obviously you've got tons of of wins. You know, to, to be able to to scale up to that. Let, let's talk about some of your L's that you've taken uh, over the years. Like, you know, you ever gotten your account suspended? You ever gotten a product suspended? Um, you know. For whatever reason, like what are some like big things that you've learned that maybe, you know, who knows, maybe you can save somebody else from, from the trouble um, by, by learning from from a mistake that that happened to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, like I told you, like, yeah, I mean, we, we have a we're kind of like a fairy tale story. We started in my cousin's basement and 
and and and went crazy doubling year after year after year um but of course there's 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 all these hard things that happen behind the scenes and um like i said in the beginning we didn't really have a strategy we're just kind of selling whatever hey we can sell this this is cool let's do it boom 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 um but then there's things called patents. <laughs> uh, so patents, and, and uh, we've gotten ourselves in trouble with some of those in, in the past. But of course, uh, now we understand that game a lot more. And, and um, so that's one of the stumbling blocks that we had early on. We were just kind of trying to sell everything under the sun. And we realized the hard way that, hey, you can't just, you can't just do that, right? Yeah. And, and now um, that, that's, that's, one, that's probably one of the biggest learning lessons. Um, Did you get your whole account suspended or just like a product suspended? Or what happened when, when you had that issue? Uh, that one was, well, that was just a uh, uh, couple of products, a couple of products okay. that, that, that were suspended. But of course, also there were, there were uh, fines as well too, right? That, that oh, wow. to pay out of pocket to mm-hmm. so settle and stuff like that. And yes, we have been suspended before by Amazon. Uh, we've done that before. Um, Did you have to like I, hire an outside agency to, to like write the, the POAs and, um, or, uh, you know, the plan of actions and, and stuff, or were you guys able to get unsuspended on your own? Uh, we were able to do that internally and, yeah, and get unsuspended ourselves. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. Speaking of internally, well, you know, some people who might be scaling up with like, you know, hey, Eugene is hashtag goals. I, I want to be $20 million selling in the future. What does that look like as far as your team? You know, like obviously you're not running this 100% by yourself. Like you said, you got your cousin, but like, you know, do you have VAs? Do you have full-time staff? Do you actually have a warehouse? Uh, what's your team uh, construction like? Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked that because I mean, they my team gets a lot of the credit. I mean, we so we have uh, we have some couple of VAs in the Philippines. Uh, we we also have a small team in, in China, um, but the, the the bulk of the team is is in our in our Pennsylvania warehouse or warehouse and office. Um, I mean they this team has been together for a long long time. I mean I would some of us uh, were there over ten years, right? So so this is a very very strong team that that's been very knowledgeable. Um, we each have our core competencies, and and that's that's how we run it. We we. Um, that, and that's one of the main recipes for success because no one can, I mean, there are definitely smart enough people out there that can run this whole thing by themselves. Uh, and I've seen that, but also there's a lot of stress and it, it just, for, for me, it wasn't very healthy to have it all on one or two people's shoulders. That, that That's, that's way too much. Um, and that's high burnout, especially in, in this industry. So we have just a, we have probably about, I was in the U S about, uh, 20, 20, 23 employees. Uh, as of right now, and and that's that's where most of the, the 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 brain work happens, and a lot of the logistics, warehousing, order fulfillment, all all that stuff happens. Okay, okay, sounds good. All right, now something earlier in our conversation, Eugene, and, and I've been thinking about this is like uh, you mentioned that you started in electronics and still do electronics, and then somehow you went to fashion. How does that transition, you know, happen? You're like, okay, I'm I'm doing kitchen. And now I'm going into home decor, you know, like, you know, I'm doing uh, electronics. Now I'm doing cell phone accessories or something. But <laughs> where does that, 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 that pivot happen from, from electronics to fashion? Well, um, yeah, that, that's a funny question. It, so pretty much we, uh, I told you already that we, we sold a lot in the electronic space, tech and gadgets, stuff like that. Um, and at that point, we were predominantly just uh, male staff, right? And, and uh, someone introduced uh, some some uh, ready ready stock uh, generic products that, that weren't fashion. I think it was leggings and suspenders. And that, that was really kind of like the first start of it. But it was a bunch of guys in the office trying to figure out what patterns would print, what sizes and all that stuff to, to pick. So so it was, we didn't really have the expertise uh, per se. Um, 
but we were able to to make it work surprisingly. Uh, obviously, some of the sizing was, was really really strange. We 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 didn't realize China sizing was different than American sizing. So mm-hmm. so like an extra small in China would uh, actually no an extra small here would be like a, a like a triple XL in China, right? So so we didn't <laughs> we didn't understand that, and we were starting being a big guy myself and and living in Asia a few years too. Like I understand that struggle. I could never find shoes in my size. I could never find shirts. They're like, what do you mean? like? We don't have anybody your size here. Come on. So then, what happened with that? Yeah. So I mean, we obviously we we were got a lot of uh yeah bad reviews for certain things for sizing and, and, and the size charts were, were, were wrong on a lot of different things that was in the very very early days um but of course as we got more serious with with fashion we're like oh wow there's there is a lot of demand here and and a lot of success here but of course we needed to fix the expertise part of it uh and, and really that was we just kind of it fell into our lap where we had some uh some some good hires and and now fast forward we have uh people that are yeah experts who, uh, in in the fashion field trends and everything like that and sizing is very very uh very very important for us and um we're able to scale that um but yeah the, the first the first year it was just a bunch of guys throwing stuff at a wall trying to sell women's fashion and it was very very hard i'm surprised we we broke past it but um yeah it was very very high failure rate it's supposed to be high failure rate but we got past it okay that's good hey so it's helped to have a diverse workforce too Especially when you're trying to tar- you know market to a certain demographic, if you don't have that <laughs> demographic on staff, it makes it a little a, a little bit difficult. Now, um, the, the other question I wanted to ask is: is fashion is something that me personally on Amazon I've always been scared of because of what you kind of mentioned about the returns and things like that. Like, you know, because Amazon has such a generous policy, in my opinion, uh, you know, for for fashion, like you know, it, it kind of like to me almost incentivizes somebody to order like three or four different sizes at once and stuff, knowing that they can just return it at, at no cost. Like how do you, how do you budget for that? And, and what, what is like your return rate, you know, for you guys, obviously you're, you, you're all in, you, you're not quitting on this. So you figured out a way to make it profitable. How have you done that? Well, I mean, so yeah, re- return rate on, on fashion is definitely a, a lot higher um, than, than, well, for us, for the categories that we sold in that, that's definitely the worst, worst category. I believe it's it's above ten percent for sure. Um, yeah, and, and there are a lot of situations where people buy multiple sizes and then return the sizes that they don't want. Um, we actually we, we factored that in recently, and and um, it's something that we have to pad our our margins with, right? I mean, if you don't, uh, I think a lot of our product lines would end up losing. Um, but it's something with right now with with everything. It's like the perfect storm where where the supply chain and and uh, uh, every cost is going up in every single area. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, our return rates were actually even higher this year for some reason compared to last year. So then mm-hmm. we had to factor that in as well too. So our average went up. Um, there's really, I mean, there's no real way to, to combat it 100% because I mean, everybody is, is different, right? It doesn't matter if I, I usually fit in a size large. Sometimes I won't fit in a size large for different companies or for a different type of outfit, right? Um, so we understand people are going to try different things. Uh, size chart is something that we tried to perfect as best we can. Um, and we try to do that through a lot, a lot of testing, a lot of samples. Uh, it takes a lot of time back and forth with the factories. Um, but that's, that's kind of like the, the, the main eliminator of it. Cause it was with how lax both Walmart and Amazon's return policies are. I mean, we can't say, Hey, you can't return it, right? That, that's not an option for us. Um, so we have to eat it. So we just have to build, build that in, build that into oh. the, into the margins. Okay. All right. Does the the things work on Walmart the same as Amazon across from either electronics or fashion? Like, or does one do better actually, relatively speaking, to like your sales on Amazon 
on on Walmart as opposed to uh, as opposed to the other? Like, you know, does your electronics do better? Do you, do you get better, uh, you know, action on there, or does the fashion actually do better on on Walmart? It seems like the more obscure products do better on Walmart for us. Uh, the fat fashion being being a private label seller, I think, is is harder on Walmart. Uh, like retail arbitrage, I think, is 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 probably more lucrative. I think at this stage, um, I'm hoping that tide will turn. But that's I've heard that more than a few times already, and, and our data tells us that as well too. So there there must be something there why private label uh, fashion is harder uh, on Walmart for some reason. I don't know why. I'm yeah. trying to crack that code. Interesting. Supply chain issues. I, I think regardless whether somebody's in electronics, fashion, whatever. If you if we're importing from Asia, we've been experiencing like you know double shipping costs. We've been experiencing shipping times of three four months. How has that affected you, and how have you guys been navigating that? Yeah, I mean that that's that's been killer for everybody. Um, I mean, luckily we have a uh, we have a team over there uh, on foot, right? So so they help us negotiate. They, they watch our back. They protect us, um, and and they, they they negotiate the best deals that they can. Um, but it, it, it's no matter what, we have to pay the piper, right? We have to pay those inflated costs, no matter what. Um, sure. What changed for us the most is that we had to definitely forecast a lot further out, uh, which means definitely spending more money and more capital up front. Uh, so, so our predictions were not gambling, but but uh, just a lot more analysis on the the, the forecast amount. Um, and I guess that that is a bigger risk than we've taken in previous years because well we don't know what's going to happen after New Year right mm-hmm. we have Chinese New Year coming up yep, so pretty yep. much we're ordering pretty much almost six months worth of inventory at once which is crazy for the books but it's something that you have to do if you want to have stuff to sell we don't want to take the chance of stuff falling apart before and after yep. Chinese well after Chinese New Year definitely when everything is slowed open back up again and we don't know what COVID is going to look like um, so so that's that's kind of like the approach that we're taking luckily we're we're bootstrapped enough where. We can afford that. I know not everyone can do that, but that's that's kind of like the aggressive approach that we're, we've been taking. Is we're very confident on certain product lines that we have, and uh, whether new or existing, and just double down on it. And that, that's what that's what we're currently doing. Have you raised prices to, to 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 stay profitable? Because I mean, I mean, if all things uh, if the price stays the same, now you're paying double for shipping. Obviously, that eats directly into your profit margins and things like that. Or do you decrease PPC spend? Or how have you tried to stay profitable? Uh, I mean, price raises have have definitely come. Uh, we we try to minimize the the, the big jumps from it. Uh, luckily, we with obviously with Ocean Freight is something that we we rely on heavily. Uh, yeah. That is a that allows us to keep our prices down. Um, but it, it's something where where like we don't again like PPC is something where we learned the hard way where we tried to be very cheap with it one year and it was our worst year ever. Uh, there's a reason mm. for that, right? Uh, okay. and, and that kind of goes into one of my tips later, but like. It, it it's one of those things where you have to pretty much uh, feed the beast. I mean, feed feed, feed Amazon. Uh, that, that that that's yeah. You have to keep yeah, uh, yeah. pushing that. And yeah, if rate, rate increasing prices is going to hurt you for sure. Uh, I mean, like your, your rankings and stuff like that. But um, but then you have to you have to pump more money into the different Amazon ecosystem product uh, with yep. the coupons, promos, PPCs, things like that. Okay. Now, um, you mentioned the tips, you know, you know about the podcast, you do that, the TST 30 second tip. So maybe I, I thought you could give us one or two. It could be about Walmart. It could be about, uh, Amazon. It could be about, about, you know, what you've learned about branding since you say you guys are late. I mean, it could be about anything you want. What are a couple of uh, 30 second tips that you can give our listeners out there that, that have helped you, you know, reach a success that you have? Um, well, something, something very near and dear to me is, uh, 
and we just experienced this recently. I mean, I think uh, in 2019, um, we, we, uh, we went to the prosper show. Uh, you were a part of that. Yep. Um, and, and attending conferences is something that we, we haven't done a lot. Uh, we were very, as a company closed, uh, we, we, we kind of didn't talk to people. We, we kind of did our own thing and, and kind of kept our head down. And, and of course I realized now that that was not smart, that that was just, uh, we were just kind of so so uh, confident in, in our ability to to make things happen. Meaning, like we're doubling year over year over year, and and, and the gravy train wouldn't stop. Um, but but then, like we had a hard time adjusting once the the Amazon landscape changed. Where like, hey, you got to have a brand, you got to have uh, a brand story, and and you can't just slap things up there and sell. Mm-hmm. And and the biggest thing was attending these conferences and, and attending a mastermind that kind of opened up a lot of doors where established new partnerships with, uh, with, with different, uh, uh, different businesses. And, and that's how I might, that's how I met Michael as well too. And, and just allow, allow us to, to meet with other like-minded folks and, and be able to talk about strategies and, and things like that. And so it's one of those things where I know it's been uh, debated before about like, Hey, what, what are, what are good things to go to, what conferences and, and um, it's just that networking aspect is so invaluable. And, and me and myself, I'm a, super closet introvert. Uh, so, so it, it's one of those things where, where I have to force myself to do that. And, and, and also uh, it, it just, once you establish that relationship, it opens up so many, so many new doors and we were doing so many new strategies since 2019. That wasn't that far, that long ago uh, yeah. that, that kind of made us not only survive this pandemic aspect, but has also leveled us up in ways where we're running so much more efficiently and, and uh, just, yeah, tighter and, and more profitable, just just healthier overall, uh, and and healthier from everyone's mindset as well too by by doing different things of from a strategic standpoint. Absolutely, guys. You know, I cannot stress enough. I've said this many times on the show that going to conferences is amazing. Not just from what you learn, you know, from the seminars or something, but just, you know, your your network that you build there um, is almost more valuable than the seminars itself. You know, like being able to, to to connect with people and and who you could like hit up and and who have been through some of the problems that you might maybe you haven't faced yet. Now it comes up on you and you can just have some people to ask like, Hey man, this just happened to me. What do I do? You know, guys go to conferences, you know, knock on wood, the world is getting back to normal and, and conferences are, are back on. Remember we have a huge one in September, uh, in 2022 guys, uh, in, in Las Vegas, uh, sell, uh, sell and scale. So, uh, make sure to, you know, look that up, uh, with helium 10, but any, any, any conference that you guys can go to get to, uh, any other tips for us, uh, Eugene? Uh, I've not, I've another one, but it's pretty vanilla, but it's something that, that, has worked for us uh, consistently is, is uh, I kind of mentioned is like feed the Amazon ecosystem. Right. So, mm-hmm. so pretty much like obviously PPC uh, we learned the hard way. We, we were like, Hey, let, let's, let's be more efficient on PPC. And, and, and that ended up being our worst year ever. And, and everything went down. And um, now we realize that, Hey, you, you got to feed that beast and uh, PPC being one of it coupons, uh, taking advantage of their exclusive discounts, uh, taking advantage of their pilot programs. And uh, especially the SAS team. I know SAS is, uh, if you know what I'm talking about, like the the, the the account manager program, I know you have mm-hmm. to pay for it, and I've heard a lot of mixed reviews on it. Uh, for us, we get that from from an insurance standpoint, but also uh, being able to, to to get invited to different pilots, and also be able to have uh, a direct line of contact when very serious things happen, and it has happened, where we have a, at least a lifeline where they're going to go above and beyond what Sales Report does, right? And yeah. um, they'll, they'll they'll get back to us uh, pretty much within the hour type of thing. Uh, and I think that paying for that for peace of mind is very valuable to us. How much is that per year? Uh, I think they, now they make it, what was it? I don't know. 
it's a certain percentage of your sales, but it won't go above a certain amount. Um, but we, okay. I know we pay a couple thousand a year just just for that for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, you know, like like I said, we're we're here at the end of 2021. If you come back at the beginning of let's say 2023 or something, um, back on this podcast, what would you like to be able to tell me about your 2022? Like, what's your goals for uh, next year? Um. Well, pretty much, I have have a lot. We have a lot of uh, product launches coming in, so hopefully, we we hit 90 percent of those to be very successful. Um, we, like I said, we were more aggressive than ever, uh, for coming into the, the following year with new product lines. Cause just the new system that we put in place really works. Um, I mean, I think it's really just more, I mean, I would say higher profit, uh, being able to, to absorb all the, I'm sure there's gonna be more increased cost probably. Um, but, yeah. but being able to, to keep playing in this field, I mean, keep, keep, keep dodging the bullets is, is I guess the best way to say it. Uh, cause, cause yeah. they're going to keep coming and I know it. Um, just how, how to how to adjust and adapt as best we can, which is how we we're, we're still alive today. Absolutely. All right. Well, Eugene, thank you so much for for coming on and um, you know really inspiring story. You know, one of those you know started from the bottom. Now we hear you know stories. Uh, you know, in, in another world, you you didn't make the decision you did. I mean, you could be you know working at your parents' restaurant, which is not a bad thing at all. You know, a lot of people do that. But um, you know, if you were doing that, I, I probably wouldn't be looking at your your game room in the back and, and, and having a full arcade in your house and stuff like that. So I, I'm, I'm assuming that being an entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneur on Amazon has really helped you open some doors. And so, um, it's great to see your success and, uh, we'll definitely be reaching out in, in the future to, to get a, a follow up with you. Thank you. Thank you, Bradley.